on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. If the value of your business revolves around your involvement, then the value of the business is based completely on you. And so that's not a, it's not a business, that's a job. And it's not a business. It's, uh, right. it's also, if you are going to sell that business, unless you're up for sale, you don't have a marketable product. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody, I'm Chaz Wolf back at you this week, gathering the kings. Joey Martin at the king's table. My brother, how are you? Doing fantastic. Fantastic, Chaz. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. I love, obviously, all of our guests are, are pressing in and, and going to the next level, and, and that's valuable for our listeners. But you specifically, man, we've connected a couple of times. And each time we talk, you have so much passion and so much just everything you say is so heartfelt. And uh, I'm super jazzed for, for the listener today to be able to, uh, to walk away with a changed mindset because I feel like that's what uh, is, your, is your superpower, whether you realize it or not yet. So, Joey, I know you're in multiple businesses. Tell us what brings you to the King stage. What businesses are you in? Okay. Well, J.W. Martin Real Estate, that's my, my primary business. That's where representing buyers and sellers. I also do some investment properties, do some little bit of house flipping here and there, and I have some rental properties. So, that acquired over the years and uh, more recently got into some real estate development. So, uh, all things real estate. <laughs> all things real estate. Yeah. I, I forgot about the all eggs in one basket thing, but uh, yeah, well, I love, I love actually what you're doing because it's not all one basket. They, all the baskets might be the same weaving type or the same color or the same material, Mabel, but, but they're not the same basket. You that everybody else may or may or may not, but I love too because it's not just real estate. What you're building actually are multiple businesses, and, and that's mostly our conversations have been offline of a team and strategies and processes and structure and leadership and all of the cool things. And so, I don't even see necessarily this conversation around real estate today. I see it as you being uber successful in multiple businesses. And, and that's what I'm going to pick your brain. But before we get into your story and kind of how you've gotten to where you are, the fact that you are where you are is ridiculously awesome. You've, you've made some, some moves that you probably never even thought possible when you were younger, just like me, simple, simple beginnings. But my question to you is this, even after all the success that you've had, Joey, you still push. Our conversations before this podcast have been about you going to the next level. That's a, that's a good question. It's, it's never enough. You know what I mean? I'm never satisfied. So I would imagine you could probably relate to that too, but oh, yeah. just, just you hit a goal and achieve it and, or, or you, you reach a milestone that you, you thought might not be possible, but then it's just, it's just not enough. I want to keep on growing and, and not, not just for me, but I've got some, some guys on my team here. All my team is very important to me. And yeah. so I want these guys to, to grow with me. I want these guys to be just as successful and more so than I am. So, yeah. so a lot of it, a lot of it is just my never ending, just passion for, it's just never enough, I guess. And 
And then another part of it is my team's my family. And, and so I want to take care of my family. Yeah, I love how that comes through. Even just a few seconds ago when you were talking about it's never enough, it wasn't just a never enough for Joey. It was never enough for my team and never enough for their families. And, and when your team is your family, like you just said, it, it takes your desire for their success as well as then their commitment to the overall picture of where the ship is headed to a whole nother level. And so I think that, I think that that's a, a piece that maybe you and I realize that maybe some of the, the listeners haven't gotten to yet. So I want to dive into that a little bit, but I love that perspective and you sharing about that. I, I can, I can feel the passion that you have for people. Every time we talk, it's incredible. So let's go back in your story just a little bit. Let's talk about how you got started. How, how did entrepreneurship start for you? Well, really, the, the career in real estate was was really unexpected. I was, I was I was very young when I got started in real estate, 21 years old. So I've been working since I was 14. One funny story when I was, I didn't even realize this, but in third grade, I was getting the, the latest hip hop cassettes and I would dub <laughs> them. I would dub them and try to sell them to my friends. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I was, I didn't realize that was illegal, but right. uh, <laughs> in third grade, I was trying to, make cassettes and sell them. But, and then as a teenager, I was always building speaker boxes and things like that for my friends and selling yeah. stereo equipment. But as far as like 17 through 17 through 21, I was just job hopping. I was, I went after high school, I went and worked in the mill with my mom because, you know, that's what she knew is success. You gotta, you gotta, you just go get that steady paycheck at the mill and, and, and come home and, and that's a good life. And, and I tried it and I was miserable Yeah, working swing shifts and you get a buzzer to go take a break and a buzzer to go back to work is basically felt like a robot. Yeah. And so tried working at the mill, a chemical plant. I drove a beer truck for a year, took a big rig cross country, one trip. That was enough. Wow. <laughs> Just the one, huh? <laughs> one trip. Yeah. The, the, the guy was training me. He was like, Hey man, I got to take a pit stop here, man. Uh, he pulls a jar out from under his seat and says, here, here you uh, go. Here's your pit stop. <laughs> No thanks, man. no thanks. But, but yeah, that was that was an eye opener for me there. But then I got into sales. I was doing door to door sales when I was 18, 19 years old, knocking on doors, looking for donations for local volunteer fire departments. If they made a donation, yeah. I got a free family photograph up at the fire station. And, and then also bridal siding sales, just all kind of stuff. But all along the way, I was I was doing side jobs. I was out doing a little side hustle with, with one of my best friends. His dad had a farm, 60 acre farm. We're out there baling hay and that's from some rough labor. Uh, after yeah. the, after the day, we were just kind of, I was propped up against the barn sweating and, and Mr. Davis, his name's Jeff Davis. He, he said, he said, Joey, you do really well in real estate. And honestly, I didn't have a clue what that meant at the time. Literally, I thought, I thought that meant if I saw, if I saw a real estate agent sign in front of a house, I meant that, that he owned that house. That's what I thought he was trying to yeah. sell me at that point in time. That's how little I knew. And so from that point, he took me, offered me an opportunity as a real estate assistant in Charleston, South Carolina. And so from there, I had about a nine-year, 10-year career with in resorts and clubs, selling really high-end golf course real estate. Right. Second home kind of kind of stuff, and then 2008 hit, and people were not not buying second home real estate anymore. But I was by that time I, with the game company, I worked with them in Charleston, Orlando, Florida, and Lake Oconee, Georgia. Lake Oconee, I was trying to kind of running from the market. Orlando got hit worse and first. Sure, destination areas like that got hit first. Yeah. 
And so headed to Lake Oak County, trying to run from it, and it finally caught up. So I came back back home to Clemson, South Carolina, and was decided I wanted to get involved in a more modest price point. That, and, and also the market hadn't been that affected in Clemson at that point in time. So I came back to head up real estate sales at, at a community here in, in Clemson, and which is where I am now. I was head of real estate there for about three years. And, and after, in 2011, I decided to start my own brokerage. Yeah. So that's when I guess I officially, real estate entrepreneurial as it is, but, yeah. uh, but I'd worked for developers at that point in time, right. which there's a little bit of a safety net there. Yeah. 2011 is when the safety net was gone and it was, it was me <laughs> on my own sink or swim. So. Yeah. I love it. <clears throat> I love, I love how that, all of that, the, the work history, the figuring it out through the different markets that you were going through, all of it culminated to sink or swim champ. Okay. And I think we all have to face ourselves at some point, right? Like we can, we can be entrepreneurs. We can do little side hustles. We can go from here to here. We can kind of make things work. We can kind of hodgepodge patch things along the way. But in order to really have what you have today, you had to kind of look yourself in the mirror and be able to be willing to take a risk that you hadn't really sized up yet and, and really go all in. And so I want to know about those things, obviously, but tell me, tell me specifically in that moment, like, okay, so you decided to go do your own brokerage. Was it, was it out of spite of like, these people don't think I can do this or is it because the market was so crazy? Was it out of survival? Like what made you finally have that conversation with yourself in the mirror, take the risk and like go all in? Well, Honestly, that at that time, it wasn't spiteful, I, I wouldn't say. I definitely have always had a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, kind of got something to prove guy. But but I would say at that time they had brought on an additional salesperson to the to the team. I was the the lone wolf there for a while and they brought in an additional one, which was gonna trim my my commissions down. So it, it wasn't necessarily um a welcome addition to the team, I guess you could say for me. Right. But probably looking back at it now from a business perspective, it was probably a smart one because I was, I was there six and seven days a week. Yeah. And so it was probably more to my benefit, but everything happens the way it's supposed to, you know what I mean? So right. we, the, we were having discussions at that point in time about the new addition. And, and honestly, as a, it was kind of mutual that, me, me leaving the company. It wasn't necessary. So it was almost a forced entrepreneurial thing. It was like, yeah. am I to search for another developer to work for? Or do I just do I just do this on my own? And and right. so so I would say it was mutual time for me to to, to part ways because I didn't agree with what they were doing. And so so yeah, it was almost almost kind of forced that I that I jump out there. Yeah. I love I love those moments because it's like either we run back like all the way back. Yep. Or we jump. And the, the moment that you jump, you have that, <gasps> but then you realize, oh, this is going to be incredible. And not easy, not easy, but incredible. Like the jump's going to be incredible. So let's talk about the jump. Tell me about a good decision you made along the way, obviously, other than jumping. But how, how, what have you done along the way that was just so instrumental to your success that you've had today? What can you share with us? I would say when I... When I finally realized that, that I need systems in place um, to to go to the next level, For the first few years of, of ownership, it was just me, 
and then it was me and an assistant yep. and which which was that was also a key decision right there is is admitting that i can't do this alone i can't yeah. get to where i want to by myself did and, you genuinely uh, think that you could before was it like an ego thing like i genuinely think i can do it all like i'm superman no no i i think trusting trusting someone else mm. to the ability to trust someone that yeah. will come and care about my baby as much as as i do that's uh, right how did you get over that? Man. Or did you just have so much going on that you literally said, holy moly, if I'm going to survive, I need somebody else. <laughs> I remember the day. I remember the day that I made the decision to move forward. And I was out showing property all day long. It was, I mean, dust till dawn showings. And I get, and I don't answer my phone while I'm with clients because I think it's rude. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so I get back to my, back to the car, exhausted from showing all day, look down at my phone, 75 missed calls. Wow. And at that time, people left voicemails. It's just about, and just a ton of voicemails. I was like, good Lord, I'm going to be here for hours just going back through these voicemails. I was like, yeah, I got to yeah. get some help. And so from that point forward, anytime I was able to provide a higher level of service right away, because I set it up where my phone, if I can't answer it, automatically went to my assistant. So my phone was getting answered all the time. Yeah. And then eventually that resulted in, I was on my own doing probably 70 plus sales a year and just gets exhausting, you know? And so That's I right. never really intended on, on growing from there. But then I had a couple younger guys that approached me about coming to work with me and me teaching them, showing them the ropes. And so, yeah, I mean, I was excited to do that. And it's just kind of grown from there. Yeah, I think that the, the two pieces that you, that you highlighted, I think are super applicable for everybody listening. Number one, I almost guarantee that everybody listening at some degree or level has quote unquote per Joey Martin so much going on that I got to get some help. Right. And so I think that that step one is when you have that moment where you're like, Ooh, right. Cause I think a lot of people feel the oomph, but they don't have the rec, the, 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 the aha, right. That I need help. They, they just, they just go through the voicemails. They call people back and then they do it all over again tomorrow. And, and, and which is fine but there's just no way to grow. And in fact, in that process, not only are you losing new clients, but you're losing current clients because like you said, you can't offer the same amount of service, whatever business that you're in. And so literally that person that you're going to bring on to help you is going to pay for themselves instantly from the fact that, that you're not going to be missing certain new business and the fact that you're going to be providing a higher level of service, which will keep your current clients and get you referrals. So I think that even what he just said, just like fast forward to the aha, please, right now, stop everything, write down what you're currently doing. I guarantee you there's at least 10 things on your list that you do that you shouldn't be and go find somebody. And because immediately they're going to pay for themselves. So Joey, I appreciate you sharing that. What do you feel like in that moment, like you said it was trust. And so did you have to find like the absolute perfect right fit or tell us about finding that first assistant. Like, what was the mindset behind it of just like, just anybody help, help us, help us go there. No, at the, at, at the time it was, a, it was a pretty easy decision. It was someone that was, that was close to me. And, and so it was just pretty easy to bring them on. And because I wanted to help yeah. mold them into a, into an agent as well. So, so yeah, that was a pretty easy decision there as far as who, and, and, and no, that's, that's a good question, guys. You got my, got my wheels turning a little bit on that one. Uh, 
Yeah. So that was, I didn't, I didn't, I have also made the mistake of since then of if I would, I got lucky, you know what I mean? It turned out to be a great hire. She turned out to be incredible. And right. so I have also done the opposite. I didn't take the time to interview people and really, and really yeah, and had an issue. Yeah. And it wound up, wound up being a, a bottleneck in the company at one point in time, which, yeah. Uh, but, but I would say if you're, if, advising someone looking to get to the next next level i would say i got lucky on the on on my first one it wasn't it was a hurry but it turned out to be fantastic yeah but i would say but i mean what's the worst case scenario if it's a bad decision like you said you made one of those a bad hire like what what is the worst case scenario for the person listening joey they mm -hmm. hire the wrong person and then what even I get, even if I hired the wrong person at least it does take some pressure off but but hiring the wrong person for me just it can be detrimental because that person has has a key position in in the company that that's the that's the face of the business every day. Sorry. Right. That's the the face of the business day in and day out. And yeah. so when the team comes in and they the face of the business just has a negative attitude, then yeah. the whole culture of the team can be affected by it. And so, so in in our case, it it was detrimental. And I I had complaints about this person from from several of the agents and yeah. and then you know i'm a big i'm loyal to a fault and so i'm very loyal and then so i i probably held on a little bit too long and sure. I, I, I probably lost i maybe lost an agent or two because of it yeah. so so i i would say take the time to to make sure you got that that right person if if you if you have the time to really dedicate an interview process yeah, hundred percent. I love I love putting the perspective of what's the best and worst case scenario. And I think, to your point, the best case scenario is if you're able to take the time, you're able to process through personalities and specific key role and how they fit into that that specific seat on the bus. And I think that all of that makes a huge difference. Actually, I think that you're spot on. I think that the worst case scenario, yeah, you you hit some of that as well. Culture, you can lose other people, you can lose clients, like. A lot of fear there potentially, not enough fear to ruin you, right? Like even if even if they they got rid of everything, you had no clients, no agents, no nothing, you still have you and you can still go on about you. You get rid of them and you move on. And so I guess thinking about that from from the person who's listening right now, going, Okay, I'm I'm nervous about making my first hire or about the next hire because I've had bad scenarios or whatever. Well, get better at the process get better at, at learning people, get, be, become a better leader. And, and then worst case scenario, you, you get rid of the bad ones and you keep moving because I'm going to hire someone who isn't going to be a great fit. I guarantee it. As much as I know about personalities and the right fit and the team building and, and I'm a great leader and X, Y, Z, there's still going to be somebody that I hire that I'm going to have to figure out a different, a different path for them. <laughs> right. yeah. One other thing I heard you say that I think is just super important that I want to point out for the listener is you said you had people approach you to work for yep. you, work with you. And that speaks to character. That speaks to leadership. That speaks to just the things that you're doing in the marketplace when nobody is looking, or at least that you don't think is, is looking, but they were, they were looking, they were watching you from a distance and they wanted to be part of the movement. And so I think that uh, that's applicable for every entrepreneur, whether, whether you're in the trades, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in real estate, whether you're in retail, like me and some of my businesses, it's like people are watching how you make decisions, how you treat people. And they're either going to want to follow you at a deeper level because of that or not. Absolutely. Okay. 
let's talk about a bad decision, Joey. You kind of mentioned the, the flip coin of, of not hiring properly, but give me a, give me a juicy, just terrible thing that, that uh, you can share with us to help keep us far, far away from your mistakes. Probably, probably the first year, 2011, when I opened up J.W. Martin Real Estate. I also started a restaurant the same year. Oh, my dear goodness. <laughs> bought it or bought into a restaurant. Now, now I know we're, we're cut from the same cloth. I, I knew we were cut from the same cloth. I knew we were both crazy. But now I know that we're both crazy. <laughs> oh, goodness. And it was, you know, never, never been in the service industry in my life. Well, maybe wow. 15. I worked at Long John Silver's, I think. <laughs> but, but, the, the confidence, the gumption that you have to have, man, to, to open up a restaurant the same year that you opened up your, your real estate business and have no experience. I, I, I just, my hat is off to your confidence level. Holy geez. <laughs> so I had a pretty good run with it, kind of, but it was, it was never, it was never right. I mean, the whole time it was just a yeah. mess, but uh, I was, you know, Basically, the end of it is why I wound up closing the doors on that one. But, but you know, I learned a lot from it. You know, what I mean, definitely. Oh, I'm sure. It didn't stop me. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're still here. And so, like, tell me about that process. Like, you said you learned from it. What? First off, before you tell me what you learned, why was it a bad decision? I mean, obviously, I can infer that doing both of these things at the same time was not a good decision. But, but why? Just too much, just um, just way too much going on. I was already busy as I could be with real estate, so I would finish a full real estate day. Which for me, I was also flipping homes at the time as well. So wow. I would start my day at checking on the flip house at seven, yep. and then go into the office at nine, get get all my my work stuff for for my appointments, then take appointments in the afternoon, in the evening. I would come home and I would come meet and greet people at the at the restaurant and even hosted trivia nights and things like that. So wow, it was literally just never ending. Yeah, uh, never ending. Just work, sleep, work, sleep, and you'll just you, you will eventually burn out. And you know, if you ever get to the point where like your phone's your lifeline and and real estate and many other businesses too. If if you get to the point where you hate to hear your phone ring, that's real bad and it's real bad to 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 get that fire back. So yeah. Yeah. So what did you learn through the process of too much? Because I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing too much, but then there's also entrepreneurs who aren't, they're just, they're content. They're not really doing enough. They're probably not the ones listening right now because they're listening to get things from you and I to go to the next level. So I don't think these guys probably are doing enough, but like, what did you learn through the process of like too much? It's physically exhausting. The, the wear and tear on the, on, on the body, physically, mentally draining. You're not, yeah. you, you, you're not giving, you know, you're not a, giving a hundred percent to either, to either business. And so what would, if I'd continued with the restaurant, I would have ended up taking down two businesses instead of one. I yeah. would have taken out my passion, which is, which is real estate and a restaurant also. So I learned that you got to learn when it's, it's time to just cut it loose and, yeah. and move on. Yeah. Yep. Even though I hate to, I hate to lose at anything. I'm super competitive. So <laughs> I cannot stand to lose at, at anything. And, but it, you know, it, it, even though it feels like you're losing, you're, you're really not, you're, you're gaining your life back. <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's a net positive. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take it all back into the, the equation of what it is that you want. 
And I don't share a whole lot of my, of my personal journey on here, but I can remember a time where in the same like six week period, I was opening up my fifth, sixth and seventh franchises. And four months before that I had, I had four franchises, but I had gone back to work full-time as a salesperson. And so I'd had a sales job before I got into franchising. And so I had left built four franchises, purchased a few, but had four locations and had put systems in place, felt great about it, came back to work because I wanted to invest in real estate. And so here I am working a full-time job while managing my four businesses. And then all at the same time, within the same six weeks, I opened up three locations in three different cities, three different states, actually, while working, while still managing my four other locations. And I'll tell you what, my, my schedule looked very similar to what you just said. I was up at five, five to seven thirty, eight o'clock was me working on producing all of the things necessary for that day in my businesses. Then I would go to work literally at my job until five, five thirty, And then from five until midnight, I was paperwork and preparing for three hiring, preparing for three new locations in three different cities. It was absolutely nuts. I learned a ton. So thankful I did it, but everything that you just said, I had no, I had no balance there. And that was still when I was married. I, I had, I had, I had one, I had one, one, I had my first child, but it was like that first recognition. I mean, what you just said is this isn't sustainable. It's okay for a period of time, but it's not sustainable. So I need to create better systems so that I can, I can last the long haul. Plus I wanted to be with my kids. Yeah. So, okay, well, let, let, let's flip the, let's flip the script here. You've given us the, the, the good and the bad help us understand now, now that you've gone through this history, how do you make decisions now? Is there a certain process that you take or anything that you kind of like step-by-step, step, anything like that, that you follow? I usually like to incorporate when it's a, when it's an important decision that is going to involve the, the whole team. I, I think I like to incorporate my leadership team, which is Amy, who's administrative assistant here, and then a couple team members, Justin yeah. and Lee. And I like I like to get some input from my guys. Yeah. And so we can just look at the look at the overhead view of the of a of a decision. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. And what do you think from like a decision perspective? Like, I mean obviously we're making decisions all day long. You've like right now you've got development, you've got real estate deals, you've got flips happening, like you've got so many things happening. And inside of each one of those things are multiple decisions every day. Is, is it like a muscle that you're still building? Do you feel pretty confident at this point in your decision making? Like, how do you feel now about kind of just decision making in general? Overall, I, I feel pretty confident with the decisions I make, but I'm still not ashamed to admit that, that when there's growth, when I want to grow, I'm licensed in yeah. four states, I'm currently operating out of one. So why am I licensed in four states? I need to, uh, to, I'm operating out of, but I want to, I want to expand in those states. And in order to do that, I've got to get more organized. And so recently I've enlisted the, some coaching services to, for myself and, and my team to just to get a clear, clear picture of where the company's going, get a clear vision. And so not only I have a clear, clear vision, but everybody on the team has a, a clear vision of what we're what our goal is, what we're all shooting for. And so everybody's on the same page. Yeah. 
I love that, man. I think that not only just for yourself, the clarity, but then also being able to communicate that into your team is what the next level looks like. I think that uh, there are plenty of people listening here today that already have good systems. Maybe they're already even at seven figures like us or above. And I think that that being able to have like a deep, deep, clear conviction of what the vision or future looks like. And then being able to create a roadmap with your team to be able to get there is the game changer. So, okay. You ready for the speed round? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> speed round one, one word answers, although I'm notorious for digging in. So I want to know Joey in, in each of your different businesses, collectively as a unit, as all of your businesses together, what would be the one metric that you would choose to track if you could only pick one? I would, I would say sales slash, slash lead sources. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And why do you think that that would be your go-to? Obviously I, I want, I want my sales. If my sales are ever down, I want to know why. And I want to know where my business is coming from. So lead sources. And uh, one thing with, with lead sources, I've, one of part of my business model is internet-based leads. And, and the reason I like internet-based leads is it's consistent. And once you have a consistent lead source and you can start doing math to predict the future, yeah, you can, you can predict how well your team is taking those, that, that consistent lead source and converting it into sales. And if you want to increase your sales, you, you need to take on more leads. If that means taking on more team members or purchasing more leads or whatever the case may be, you can adjust accordingly. What you just said is to guys like you and I, so simple because we do these things all the time, but it's so profound. So I'm going to slow the track just a bit. I'm going to reverse back just 45 seconds ago when you said, if you can find a good lead source and you know the result of that lead source, you know the math on it, you can predict the future? Absolutely. Okay. And so for a guy that's listening right now that maybe he's all word of mouth or maybe he, he gets clients in a certain way based on referrals from his other clients or, or whatever, right? Like he has no paid leads or he has no consistent lead. Let's just call it that. It doesn't really matter if it's paid or not. He has no consistent lead source. What would you tell that guy who doesn't understand what you just said about being able to predict the future? Well, your life's going to get so much easier <laughs> when you, when you have a consistent lead source, as I was very much the same way I was I, I would go out to different places, bars, restaurants. I was involved in civic organizations, which are all wonderful lead sources. And I would advise anyone to, to get involved in civic organizations and be very active in those organizations so you can meet people. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more on that. But, but it's just, there's no real way to track that unless, unless you're like taking the business cards home every night and putting them into right. it. And people aren't doing that, let's be honest. Nobody's yep. doing that. You're just flying by the seat of your pants. If yep. you're, that's what I was doing. I was hoping, yep. hoping for the next deal. And, and just, I would get fortunate because I was out there enough, just meeting enough people to where it worked out, but it's still, your business is going to be up and down, up and down. It's going to be highs and lows. And you're going to be drinking a lot of bourbon. If you, if you, <laughs> if you got that, <laughs> that, that kind of business. Yeah. I mean, the reality of what you're saying is for an individual, for you as the owner, for the person listening as the owner, 
you've got skill sets, meaning you could walk into a room, you can shake some hands, you can create some relationships, which you should. But right now, you're most likely using that to create new deals, which is fine. That's okay. But in order for you as the owner to ever be able to step away or to have consistent enough revenue where you're not drinking bourbon every other night, like Joey just said, <laughs> you've got to have a system. And the system, what's magical about it is that it's repeatable. That's why it's called a system. And so for you to be able to not be in the sales process or dealing with every single client, AKA scale to seven figures and above, you have got to figure out a repeatable process. And in this case, Joey's given you like, if there, if there are 17 keys to success, this is one of the top three. It's like, if you don't have a lead source, a consistent lead source, because right now you have a lead source because you got a business. I'm, I'm with you. Joey said, you're meeting people, you're doing this, so-and-so is referring you and all that's great. All that's great. But the reality of it is, is that you're not to seven figures yet because it's not a system. And when you think system or scaling, you need to think, how can I get someone else to do this repeatedly? How, and how can I track them? So that's what Joey has just gifted you with. He said, you go find a lead source and it, and it may not be as good as word of mouth. It may not be as good as creating relationships in the, in the, in the, in the community, which that's why he said, don't stop those. He just said, in order to be able to teach someone else, in order for someone else to step in and, and say, what are the steps? One, two, three, there has to be a consistent lead source given to them. They got to know what to do with it and they got to know how to close. So Joey, anything to add there? Yeah. I mean, if the, if the value of your, of your business revolves around your involvement, then then the, the value of the business is based completely on you. And so that's not a, it's not a business, that's a job. And it's not a business. It's, uh, right. it's also, if you are going to sell that business, unless you're up for sale and then you don't, you don't have a marketable product. hundred percent. As it's a struggle for me because I'm, I'm a, I struggle with this because anytime my guys have a problem, I just want to jump in and solve it and yeah. be done with it. But but I'm crippling their ability to problem solve on their own if I do that and hindering right. them from growing as a person, evolving as an agent and growing as a leader. So I've purposely stopped myself and allow them to, to solve problems on their own. Yeah, hundred percent. I've got a guy inside the Gathering the King seven figure mastermind group who was looking at another business, a competitor to purchase. And uh, he brought it to the table. And so some of the guys were analyzing it with him and helping him kind of understand the different nuances that he might be thinking about, or maybe he wasn't thinking about. And uh, one of the key factors was this guy was basically solo. He had a couple folks, but not really. And so at that point, you're not buying a business. You're buying goodwill. You're buying a phone number. You're buying like, what, what are you buying? Yeah, the fact that he's not going to compete with you anymore. Okay, there's some price, there's some value there, but you're not buying a business. And so the price has to reflect what it is. And so some of you might be listening right now thinking, well, I'm never going to sell my business. Okay, fine. I would challenge you on, on that. But even if, even if you're not going to, why would you want to build something that couldn't be sold in the scenario where you needed it to be sold? Because that's usually when the time that I have found whether I've sold one, when I've sold one of my own or when other people that I've known have wanted to sell, it's usually out of like, Ooh, I want to make a move or desperation. And then, and now you're left with <laughs> no systems, no process, no people. And, and, and all you're going to be able to sell it for is pennies. So it doesn't, it, there's no value there. 
I have no intention of selling my business, but you know, there's no, the people are, are in business for freedom. Right. I, I enjoy, yeah. I, I would like to have a few more vacations, see the world a little bit, yeah. not just, not just consistently work from, from the time I'm able to work to the time I die. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. It's freedom. And to just back up what we've been talking about, you can't have freedom, real freedom. If the business involved, what'd you say revolves around your involvement? I think that that's key. So great, man. Okay. So, wow. That was all off the first speed round question. Holy moly. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I kind of forgot where we were. All right. Second question. What book, Joey, would you recommend that a six figure owner read to try to scale to seven? Oh man. So, so many of them. I I think you probably already read rich dad, poor dad, by by that point, that's, and who moved my cheese. I like those two books because they're just really simple to read and they just have so much just meat and potatoes in there. Just really good. There is. Those are ones that you can come back to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Beyond that, I would, I would say I I can't name a specific book with anything around scaling, scaling your business. Yeah. I think the mindset in both of those is plenty good. Even if the listener has read them, it would probably be a good time to circle back. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and why? I want to get better. I always want to get better. And you, you never know. I recently, I'm, I'm trying to put together a, a group of my own here locally of like-minded people to possibly invest together on multifamily properties and things like that. There's uh, yeah, and there's, there's value in, and other people's knowledge for sure. That's right. That's right. Okay. And last question, Joey, if you lost it all, what would you do, man? What would you do? I'd be right back at it again without question. <laughs> without question. Now the listener, the listener can't see the ginormous smile on your face <laughs> and such an odd time to smile like that, Joey, if you lost it all, you'd be back at it smiling. Actually, there's some beauty in that being, being young, hungry, and reckless. I miss that. I do. I do miss when I when I first got started as an entrepreneur and that just reckless, bad decision making. Fly by the seat of your pants. It, it's exciting. Uh, definitely reckless, but, but yeah, I would. I would go right back to it. That's awesome, man. I appreciate your passion. the 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 thing that comes to my mind is even after your years, decades of experience, if that's your choice, after all that you've seen. Man, the listener should know that they're doing the right things, that they should just keep making good decisions or remove the things that are hindering them from good decisions. And, and even like you, decades in, go be willing to risk it, be willing to press it all in, be willing to go after it, because that's what it sounds like you've got. And you would do it all over again, right? Without question. Without question. Uh, we, got, we got time for a quick story? Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, just- We'll talk about just young and reckless. Yeah. My, my first flip property, um, I went bought it at a foreclosure auction, had no clue what I was doing, raised my hand that I got it. <laughs> so that day I had to have 5% down, it was $48,000. Had to have 5% down, which I had, and not much more than that, and a pre approval letter from a bank. At that time, I didn't realize that most foreclosed properties are not financeable. So this, uh... is, this is a long time ago. And um, here I am with a house that's not financeable. The bank came out, looked at it, said, no, we're not going to loan on it. So I had to break into this house that I did not own, fix it up, 
fix up a home that I did not own. And I had 30 days to do so. So I had to break into a house I did not own, fix it up. And the bank came back, looked at it again, said, okay, we'll finance it. And I got it to the, got it. Wow. To the, so talk about being young and reckless and, and just, yeah. yeah, it was, but it was, what was beautiful about that is that it was, it's all or nothing. You know what I mean? Is right. I put all the chips in. There's no, I'm risking it all. And so, yeah, there, there's something to be said for it. I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I wouldn't do it again, knowing what I know now. But man, for you gotta, you gotta stick your neck out there, man. Not, not quite that risky. Don't go that risky. But yeah, you just gotta, you gotta put it all on the line. If it's, if you know it's your passion, you know it's what you're meant to do. Yeah, just get out there and go for it, man. Yeah, I think that the permission that you just gave the listener is uh, probably the greatest gift that they'll receive all day today. I remember making those same decisions, bobbing and weaving. We got a fam- we got families now. We can't quite bob and weave like that, but I still more than I probably should bob and weave and move things around and place bets, not like actual bets, but you know, investments in properties and and new businesses and but the reality of it is this is that that's, that's, that's the, that's the game. The game, the game doesn't go away. The game doesn't change. You just play, you just play at a higher level. And somewhere along the line, I feel like there's so many people who, who, who moved the first chess piece, right? They, they left their job or they started their little side hustle and then they moved the next, next chess piece. And then they, they grew a little bit, maybe they got a helper or an admin assistant and, and they grew a little bit more, but somewhere along the line in there, they stopped playing the game they stopped really pressing in they stopped putting it all on the line like you said sticking their neck out there and uh, and i think the permission that you just gave is the key to the next level for a lot of guys listening right now it's like no no no. you you need to be able to go all in ships all in and even if it literally meant that i would have to take care of my family in a different way then then that needs to be the confidence level for me at the baseline is going i would take care of them it's not like i'm gonna leave my family hanging but i'm willing to, to put them all in. And, and if the worst case scenario were to happen, then I'll figure that piece of it out. That's right. Yeah. That, that's another thing is just becoming a master problem solver. The, the bigger the problem you can solve, the bigger the paycheck that comes along with it. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, that's right. Enjoy. How, how can someone listening today connect with you? If they want to get to know you better, they want to get a little, they want to get a little Papa Joey love going on. How, how, how can they, how can they, how can they get a shirt like you? He's got this, this incredible, almost like Paisley shirt. He's looking fresh over there. How can they connect with you online, bro? <laughs> All right. Well, my website is w.jwmartinhomes.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, JW Martin Real Estate on Facebook, and also my personal page is Joey Martin. So definitely, definitely reach out. I'm, I'm here to answer any questions you may have. That's awesome, Joey. I, I just so appreciate the friendship that we've started as well as and just the pushing back and forth. The, the mindset that you have is incredible. I'm better for knowing people like you. Even our conversation today has, has inspired me. And so thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. 
what I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.